Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Live in the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaletti, and I have with me Chad and Marissa Abs. I love the last name. I'm obsessed already. It just it makes me smile. So they run a company called Moai. And Moai is the Japanese term for a community of people that share common interests or circumstances. Marissa and Chad want to connect people through clothing by motivating, inspiring, encouraging, and challenging others to be able to better themselves every day to reach their life goals, and to help them overcome their biggest obstacles. They want to be their customers' biggest supporters. Chad and Marissa recognize that some of their biggest successes in life have come from what was once a struggle, and they feel it is necessary to embrace who we are and where we come from. Moai is more than a brand. It is a lifestyle. Welcome, Chad and Marissa. Matt, thanks so much for having us. We're super excited to be able to be part of this podcast. Yeah, huge opportunity. Thank you. I'm excited. This is my first husband-wife on the same show together, so who knows what's going to happen. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am pumped to hear. I know a little bit about you, but not a ton. Let's hear about your both of your backgrounds and your childhoods, and let's take it way back to where, where you started out. Okay, so I, we both grew up in a small, small town in Michigan, and the name of the town is called Sturgis, Michigan. Um, I grew up, I'm the oldest of six kids, uh, so I have five brothers and sisters. Um, my parents both worked for a printing company, which was family owned by my grandparents. So it was my, grand, my grandma, my grandpa, my mom, and my dad worked there, and then my aunt and my uncle also worked there. So throughout my childhood, you know, my mom took her a little bit of her maternity leave, then she would go back to work and it was essentially uh, my parents, my grandparents' house was connected to the business. So when I was a baby, I actually got to go lay in the crib while my mom was working and be around a lot of my family. So um, did that. I went to a private school. Uh, it was a Christian Lutheran school. Grew up doing that. I was passionate about baseball. So a lot of my childhood was spent out in the batting cages trying to hit home runs. Um, did you hit any home runs? What's that? Did you hit any home runs? I did, yeah. yeah. That, that, that was my specialty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're so like, humble. Oh, You're so yeah. humble. You wouldn't say anything. Yeah, I know how humble you are, so i got to make you pat yourself on the back every now and then. <laughs> um, but um, I guess going a little bit deeper into that, uh, so when I was in, I guess, uh, a senior in high school, I kind of had my first um, loss of life, and that was my, my dad – wasn't paying his income taxes so we ended up uh, actually losing our home my dad my mom and dad had this log cabin that they had kind of built from scratch and uh, the government decided to sell it at a tax foreclosure sale and it was kind of like my dad came home one week he's like hey Chad I'm like sorry but we got to move out uh next week 
Like, this is where all of our childhood memories, you know, were kind of formed. This is where my batting cage was, my pitching machine, which my parents had bought for me. Um, so it was just like, whoa, like, okay, this is happening pretty quick. And then so anyways, uh, got through that, finished high school, then I played college baseball. Um, so was on that journey. My whole dream was essentially to play professional baseball. And um, fall season, uh, baseball was going great. I, I would think I was hitting like around, it was over 400. Um, the fall season was just about wrapping up. We were having one of our last practices and my, the coach was hitting cutoff balls. And so me and the center fielder miscommunicated and I went diving for it. He called me off at the last second. My cleat got stuck in the grass, tore my ACL. And oh. that kind of, um, I, I got back and I tried to play the next year, but I just wasn't really up to uh, what I wanted to be at the standard. And so um, went back home, cried a lot. Uh, <laughs> sure, I bet you did. About what was next. And yeah, I guess just kind of uh, in high school, I had worked at a restaurant being a hostess or a host. So uh, I went back and I was hosting and then I got back into serving and then I didn't want to do that. Got into lifting heavy. And then I, I, I always loved playing golf too. So the home runs, I took that to long drive. So I competed in uh, the long drive for I think 2000, 2007, 2008, did that. And then I just realized that that was kind of boring to watch. It wasn't even as fun as watching the home run derby. So uh, I was like, I just, I, I want to be a golfer. Like I, people like watching golfers golf. So, uh, and, and that, that's been me. I've always really liked to be in the limelight. I, I love when people are watching me, especially doing something that I know I'm good at. So <laughs> I, I, golf. Um, and then Marissa and I met and, uh, I moved down here. I pursued golf more, and then it kind of uh, got more into today, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into later in the podcast. But that's about for me. Oh, yeah. um, I grew up a lot less eventful than what Chad just <laughs> told you, but uh, I'm actually the youngest. I have two older brothers, and I grew up just in a very uh, conservative. I grew up grew up out in the country, so I had a horse, you know, had sheep, had chickens, all that. And I loved it. It was a very um, quiet lifestyle. And like my grandparents, you know, they were just down the road. They were like a mile down the road. So it was just a very um, family oriented, like a family was everything. That's kind of how I grew up. And I think that's really stuck with me into who I am today and what makes me tick as far as uh, I really live for like the moments with people. Uh, that's something that's really special to me. And, and the level of connecting with others, I think that goes back to just how I was raised and the lifestyle. So coming um, out of, I was homeschooled. So that's another part of, you know, growing up very, I guess, I, I use the term conservative just because everything was kind of dialed back as far as um, connections and, you know, beliefs and everything. So I grew up extremely, extremely shy. And that was something that's been very hard for me to work through. Um, but like my first job, I, you know, what appealed to me was detasseling. I don't know if you know what that is. No, uh, what's that? Your workers go out into the cornfield and they're pulling the tassels off of the corn so it doesn't cross-pollinate in a way that it's not supposed to. And I was like, yeah, that job sounds awesome because I work by myself. I got my headphones on. I don't got to talk to nobody. <laughs> so that's my mindset at that time in my life. And, um, you know, after um, graduating from being homeschooled, I, I started getting into uh, being a server. And I'll tell you that job, that job changed my life because it forced me to learn how to talk to people. It forced me to come out of my shell. It was like, 
if you want to be successful in any means in this industry, you got to be personable and you got to find a way to show people that you care and that they're important and that them being there for that meal is going to be special. And so that's, I think, where I really started to become who I am today and start blossoming into being more personable and able to, to just have conversations. And like, like I shared before we started this, it's, you know, it's still tough for me, but it's been a growing process. And from there, you know, I've worked into a lot of different jobs and, um, I worked in the medical industry. So I was a certified nurse's aide and then I moved into being a pharmacy technician. And, uh, I, I loved both of those. You know, I really enjoy helping people. I really enjoy seeing people, um, come in with a problem and leave feeling better. Mm-hmm. And that was in the physical aspect in those industries and in those fields. But I really, I really blossomed from that feeling. That was something that really, it really grabbed me. And I really, I really loved always. Um, and then, yeah, we met, um, after, well, let's see, we met when I was what, 20 mm-hmm. and you were there. I don't know how old you were. I can't do yeah. math. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. To hear, I want to hear the meeting story. Yeah. This is awesome. Uh, we met actually on Bible study group. Yeah. It was the first time that we met. And we met in one previous event at one Bible study group, kind of saw each other, knew who each other were. Um, and then what was it, a couple of years later, actually? Well, it had to be more right? than that because when we first knew each other, you were like only like 12 years old and like, I'm a car. So, I mean, yeah, we're. Yeah, six, seven, eight years or something. There's like a there's an eight year difference between uh, us, so yeah, definitely was important on the timing of when we met. <laughs> um, so then we met later, I guess several years later. Uh, it was at my parents' house actually. My parents do a Bible study group; they do it every two weeks, and so he ended up coming to that just out of the blue, and we we hit it off, and we started talking. And I was actually in another relationship at the time, and in something pretty messed up like that I felt like I was stuck in um and that I just I had to be in it because if I got out of it it was there was a hope for me in terms of um finding someone and and finding what love really was so I was committed to seeing that through I was actually engaged at one point and this guy he he just became a friend and like not for the for the wrong reasons or anything he just heard me out like I was actually kind of like excommunicated from my family for a period of time because of that relationship and you know how important family is from how I grew up that was a big deal and um so he was really the only one that gave me a chance to hear me out and just like get to know me and we started talking and we had a lot of really deep conversations about life and our views and perspectives on life and so he just stuck it out and what happened is that he gave me the confidence that if there's people like Chad out there in the world that can be as good a friend as what he's been to me, then I don't have to commit to something that I know is not right for me. I can find something at some point in my life. And I ended that and I walked away from that. And then we ended up up started dating, I don't know, eight months later or something like that. And then we had a very short engagement period and then we, we just got married. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So I, I, I got to ask Chad, did you go to the Bible study because you knew Marissa was going to be there and you wanted to no, it was because actually the uh, fellowship that I had attending was getting a little bit uh, dogmatic in some of their belief systems. And so because of that, I, w- I had stepped away and I was kind of looking for a new place to go. And then I, I remembered, because I was actually closer to her dad, yeah. you know, the years 
preceding that, and I'd gotten to meet him because he would come, you know, every Wednesday evening they would have like a men's Bible study. So me and him talking, and he seemed to be, you know, knowledgeable in some of the things and, you know, had a very good belief system, open-minded to different concepts and stuff like that. So um, I found out that they were then hosting a Bible study at their own home. And so that was really how I got into it. And I think what Marissa didn't do a good job of explaining is that when, when, when she was in that, there was something that I could always see in her that wasn't lining up with the belief systems that I knew of her is that for her to be in the relationship that she was in and how everybody else was viewing her as she was in some type of rebellion or why would she be in a relationship with this person who doesn't have this belief system is that I could always see that there was something that hidden that nobody else was seeing. And, um, that, that's something that, you know, I think, I don't know why we're getting off into this, but I just feel (laughs) a real need to share that, you know, sometimes when people are doing something that you don't think that they should be doing, or that you see them against their values, that if we dig deeper and we do become that friend that you can go and really get that connection and find out the truth behind the matter. So, right, so that, that was that was a really cool way of one, me getting to, you know, find my future wife because there weren't many people who held on to the same belief system that I had. So it wasn't like there were a lot of fish in the <laughs> pool or fish in the ocean just swimming around for me. You know, I, I again I was I was already thirty and there were just not many people that I connected with um, on a um, mental level. So that was very important to me is being able to have someone who was knowledgeable and who was, um, motivated, determined and who, who considered open-minded. And so all those things was something that I didn't find in many people. And then when I met Marissa, it was like, wow, like this is someone who is super special and I don't want to let this go. So because of that, I need to dig, dig deeper and see if what she's doing right now is, you know, what I think she actually wants, or if there's a hidden, hidden agenda behind it or whatever. So, yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> no, that's great. I, honestly, I, I can't help it. As you're talking, I'm thinking about how I met my wife and I, I think I was 29 and I basically just told myself, okay, I got to be happy just being single and let the pieces fall where they may. And then as soon as I basically stopped trying is when she showed up and you never know, right? Anything's wow. possible. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly how I felt like I had to get to that point, what you just described. Yeah, well, you did. And clearly it's working because you guys are six and a half years into a great marriage. And so you get you short engagement, you get married. And did the did your entrepreneurship skills start right away? Did Moai start right away? Or talk us into that. It did not. Um, so, again, um, we – there was a lot, a lot, we, Marissa and I have a very strong belief system, uh, religiously. And because when we started dating, there was again, another explosion of events that occurred, uh, based on how people thought we should date or shouldn't date and how long it should be and how long it shouldn't be and what we could do back and forth. And so that really created a lot of heartache inside of, um, what we felt was once a community. Yeah. We had a very strong community. And unfortunately, it it really broke apart um, in us coming together. And so because of that situation, we we needed some space. We needed to step away from that because there was just a lot of hurt from there. And we knew that if we had a little bit of space, that would probably help us to heal 
in a better way where there's not people that are interacting with you on a daily basis that are still telling you, Hey, you guys shouldn't have got married. You guys are wrong. You know, this or that. Um, so yeah, we created space. <laughs> so, you know, both of us had always talked, like, I absolutely love the warm weather. Like yep. summers in Michigan were absolutely great. Golf, <laughs> baseball, spending time with family. It's awesome. But when winter hits, it's like, you know, the quarantine 15, it's like the Michigan 20, you know, winter, winter hits and you're putting on 20 pounds and then you're going to lose it in the three months, maybe of summer. And then it's going to come <laughs> back and fall in circle. So Marissa and I took a vacation uh, down to Hollywood, Florida, which is where we currently live. We gave ourselves 14 days, try to find a job that didn't work out. So we went all the way back to South Dakota, worked there for uh, the whole summer for yeah. a company that did hail damage. There was a hailstorm there. We did that. But uh, so, no, the entrepreneurship didn't start. We, you know, we moved back down to Florida and we both had to find, um, I guess, jobs. And so that's what it was. It was like, we don't know anybody here. Uh, never really had to fill out a resume before because everybody in our towns knew us. They knew our character. They knew who we were. And I was like, oh, man, I got to prove myself to people now. Like, what? what <laughs> what's this? Nobody knows. Like, you should know me. Like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, we, uh, came down here. I got my real estate license. I was like, Oh, I'm going to go sell houses. Finish that. Th that took like three months. It worked really hard. And then I go sign, pay, pay my dues for the, uh, realtors association. They said, Hey Chad, welcome to the Miami association of realtors. You've just joined 45,000 other realtors in Miami Dade County. And I'm like, 45,000? Like, I know nobody. And now I'm jo joining 45,000 other people who have a bunch of money. <laughs> and so uh, I, I kind of put that off to the back burner and got into the golf industry and was work just working at a golf course down here because I was pursuing golf. And then, well, yeah. So when we moved down here, we, we were, that was like step one of our dream. So ever since we, before we got married, in those deep conversations that we had, we always talked about, um, wanting to create something for ourselves and wanting to do something that was extremely fulfilling that we felt into the place that we wanted to live, which was down in somewhere in Florida. And so that was our, our main focus at that point. It wasn't, it was like taking it in, in manageable chunks and in manageable phases. Um, so when we moved down here, it was just, okay, let's, let's make this work. Let's figure out a way to make this sustainable because this is our dream. And once we, we both get, we both got jobs. We shifted around, did a couple different things um, until we got to a point where we were comfortable with uh, the ability to start saving. And so we, we talked about, let's, let's work towards something. Let's, he's, he's always been a saver. Chad's, Chad's been really good about saving and like, he's extremely frugal to the point where you, he'll wait two years to buy the golf club he wants because he waits for it to go on sale and all this. Whereas I'm like, I see it. I want it. So we don't <laughs> A lot of learning and growing together. <laughs> but um, the ability to save was step two of that phase, and that was the preparation phase. So first it was getting where we want to, preparing for what we want. So we spent five years down here working uh, hard, working as the best jobs that we could get, um, and, and saving. We've, we've lived in this tiny studio apartment since forever. Actually, we had a smaller one prior to this. This yeah. is an upgrade. <laughs> but we've been extremely frugal we've always been debt free that's been important to us and we wanted to be able to have the financial stability to start something without having to go into debt so we spent five years doing that and then at the end of five years we realized that we were 
plenty prepared, but we weren't doing anything with it. And we realized that we were stalling because it's scary. And that we were very comfortable with the income that we had from our jobs. And, but we weren't, we weren't satisfied. We weren't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Like we were coming home sometimes in tears. Like this is just so overwhelming. This is not what I want to do. This is just not bringing me any source of fulfillment. And not to say that everyone has to be an entrepreneur because they certainly don't. You can get fulfillment doing anything as long as it's what you want to do. And so for us, it was okay. We, we made a commitment. I think it was, uh, was it at the beginning of that year? Yeah, I think it was the beginning of 2018. It was like January 1st. It was like, yeah. you know, almost like New Year's resolutions, but it was just like, listen, like we have all this money. We've talked about trying to put it in the stock market. I spent, oh my gosh, like two months trying to learn value investing. And then it was like, wait, like, things with the stock market aren't lining up to what they're supposed to be. So I don't, I don't understand this enough to tackle this. So I was like, what else can we invest in? And finally we were just kind of like, listen, like let's really try to work hard at an idea, a concept for a business that we can currently afford to do. Mm -hmm. Both of us love shark tank. So we were always mm -hmm. watching shark tank and trying to figure out these. And I think one of the biggest things that caused us, to not get into entrepreneurship super quick was because people are throwing out these numbers on Shark Tank like, oh, yeah, we just made uh, $1.9 million or yeah, how much have you invested into this? Oh, we have $130,000 or we have $400,000. Like, what? Like, what? What are you doing? We're not that doing? prepared. <laughs> well, yeah, we weren't that prepared, but we weren't willing to take on that amount of risk for, you know, some just, oh, well, okay, if we build this, they right. will come, right? Mm -hmm. Like. <laughs> So, but yeah, at the beginning of that year, we went for a walk on our beach right here. And we said, I think by the end of this year, we need to have invested in something for ourselves. Right. We don't know what it is yet, but let's make a commitment that we will invest in something for ourselves before the year is up. And then it, by October, October of 2018 is when we had our uh, name picked out and we were applying for our licenses. We had the solid idea um, to, to start Moai and what it was going to be. And it's morphed a little bit since then, but the core concept started in October 2019. I, I love how you said it, it had morphed or it is morphing because I think that makes so much sense for any entrepreneur, right? As long as the mission is the same, which I know that it still is, and you guys can speak to that as well. But if you need to pivot and especially during what's going on right now, I'm sure you guys have been changing daily given COVID and everything. So can, can you... Can you speak to what what Moai is? And I know that it's more than clothes. And just tell us why it's more than clothes, because I think the story is inspiring. So for us, when we moved down to Florida, it was a very uncomfortable feeling of not having a support group or a community, especially when you've been in a religious community that is very, very supportive, that has a lot of the same beliefs, um, that when, when somebody wants to put drywall up in their basement, that we have 20 other people coming over to their house on a weekend, knocking it out, and it's done, and we're, we're, we're cooking meals. Hospi you know, people in the Midwest are super hospitable, but even more in that religious setting where you have that deep connection, it's just like, you know, my brothers and sisters are people who I admire greatly and who I will be willing to do just about anything for, and in that setting, that's what we had because yeah. of uh, whether it was a religious connection or just because of, you know, a comfortability or, or whatever it was, that there was that feeling. 
And when we moved down here, we didn't have that. And for me, um, being an extrovert like I am, I, if, I don't, if I'm not around people who I can somewhat try to be on the same level with, I struggle greatly. And, I'm, you know, as many people know, Miami is a big, I guess, party town. Yeah. And mm -hmm. there's people coming in and out. There's people from all over the world living here. Uh, many different cultures. You'll hear a lot of different languages and stuff like that. So it was difficult for me to really fit in. And so, you know, we essentially spent five years of our lives down here trying to fit in, trying to, you know, find, find our people. Right, trying to find people who connected with us, who are like-minded. And, and it was just like, well, like, okay, Marissa, if we can't find this, then we have to create it, whether it's through a business or just through meetups.com mm -hmm. or some way. We have to be able to connect with people, whether it's online or whatever it is. We got to get that back because for me – I just, I mean, just even like this, having a, a podcast with a like-minded individual is just, it brings me a lot of energy. Like I could sit and talk about this for a long, long time because we're on the same page with something and, and there's a huge connection right there. And so that's really where, where it came from is a desire to build the community that we once had on a larger, much larger scale, hopefully worldwide, because I think we knew that if we needed that, that we think that there's other people who need it too. Well, we had always heard, uh, you know, we started listening to a lot of, you know, motivational speakers and we've always been, well, he's always been a book reader and I've tried to be better at being a book reader. <laughs> and just a lot of people that say, you know, surround yourself with positive people. Like that's a very popular term. And then that's a very popular piece of advice because it is so powerful. But we reading that and then I, I think we just had a conversation where it was just like I think Chad was like so where do we find these people then because because we had been you know it was a it was like a frustration statement because we had been down here for you know two to three years and we still struggled to connect with people and it's not that we couldn't connect with people but it was connecting with the right kind of people because it was we'd, we'd start this great conversation and then you know you want to try to start like so you know tell me more about your life tell me about your aspirations it's like I don't have any, like, oh, just go party the next day. Like, that's, <laughs> there's no depth. And we were looking for the depth of connection. Um, and so when we answer that question of, like, wow, where do we find these people? You know, there's a few sporadic spots where you can, like, oh, here's a, here's a positive group you can go connect or plug into. We felt that there should be, like, this, this easy answer for everyone to be, like, okay, if you want a positive community, there's definitely a place for you to go. You can go to Moai and you're going to be plugged into it with this huge network of people that are all going to be there to try to support you. Right. And the idea, like on the, on the large scale, the idea, and this has happened in a few instances and it just makes me so excited is that we've had like two different, you know, people that are struggling with um, cancer and mm. it's exactly the type of cancer and they're both at a very difficult place. And we've connected both of those people because they're both a part of Moai and said, you two need to connect. And you guys maybe could answer some questions back and forth with each other if you're open to it. Like, I'm going to give you guys each other's names and your guys' you know, contact information. If you want to go explore that, you can. And it's, it's huge. Like, these people, these two specific individuals that I have in my mind, it's been a game changer for them to have someone. Like, man, I've been looking for someone to connect with that is going through this because it's great that family is there and it's great that Mawai is there. But for someone to know exactly what I'm going through, is really key 
So, and there's so much of that in the world where there's, you're never alone. There's always someone that's going through exactly what you're going through, just in a different place. So if we can use Moai as a platform and as a community to connect people on that kind of level, like that, that's a huge goal for me. Yeah. I, I, let's stay there for a second because I think this is so interesting. So I, let's just say, for example, I, I buy a t-shirt. I love your brand. I love what you stand for. Help everyone understand how do you connect the individuals and how do you learn about them? Because, um, you know, I think a lot of people may just buy a shirt and not even think about it. So how do you actually create that community? Because I think this is just awesome. So we have a couple different ways of doing that. But the very biggest, um, the thing that we started with, the idea behind how we would connect these people is with the Moai symbol itself. So when you see Nike, for example, or Under Armour, you think athletics, right? Or some type of uh, sport, usually, um, because that's what they're geared towards. And it's a community of, of athletes, it's a community of people like go-getters that are getting it done. And we wanted Moai to be a symbol that if you saw, like, I think there's an analogy, I can't remember what book it's from, but it's saying that you can always pick out a red hat in the crowd, right? something, a, a pop of color, it's like, okay, I'm the red hat in the crowd, you're talking to somebody on the phone, and you're like, okay, okay, I got you, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you over there. We want Moai to be that symbol for people, saying, if, you, if you're looking for somebody to connect with, if you're looking for someone that is positive, or that you just know you could have a conversation with, just like this, that you've never met in person, but it's just like, hey, we have something in common, you see that Moai symbol, and that's what you automatically know. You know that they have good values, and you know that they're working on themselves. So if you have either of those two things, you have something in common, and that's a conversation starter. And then to take that further, when someone purchases from us, we have a certificate that we send them. That is, it's a, it's a birth certificate, essentially, but it's um, them becoming a Hawaiian. It has, like, their name and their date of birth, or not their date of birth, it has their date of purchase on it. And on the back, we have a, a QR code, and that QR code takes them to our closed Facebook group which is for customers only, which are people who are committed Hawaiians, people who are who have committed to um, saying I am a self-improver. I, I do want to be a part of this community. And those are the people that we're trying to connect together. So that's a place that we're, we just started this Facebook group to be a part of actually connecting the community on a deeper and more intimate level um, so they can have conversations back and forth and not just be us having conversations with them like, you know, on social media or those types of things. But how we connect people is usually through through some type of social media. Yeah, and that was the big thing with the certificate that we give people is that there's a lot of people who have started their personal growth journey in one way or another, but we wanted to give those who haven't really proclaimed it or said, hey, like this is it, this is it, I'm a Hawaiian now, or hey, but I gotta start adapting, and they get that adapt shirt that there would be something, a proof of that right in front of them that say, hey, on this date, I chose to support this company, and because of that, like, there's something in my life that changed. And so we, we wanted to people know that we respect that, and we want to be able to encourage that mm -hmm. as well. Like, you made a commitment to this, and, you know, you, you should be rewarded, and, and it should be known of when that was that that started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I love all of that. And, and I, I'm thinking about just your customers, and I can't remember where I heard this, but it's – there's like different levels of customers. There's somebody that just likes a brand and thinks, you know, it's okay. Like I just wear it because it's a shirt. And then there's the raving fans. And it seems to me like you are creating this culture of raving fans for not only two of you, but what the brand stands for. Is that fair to say? 
It is. And so one thing that Marissa forgot to mention about what we do with customers is that when they do purchase, we ask the customer what their favorite dance, usually it's what your favorite upbeat dance song is. And to show all of our customers appreciation, we get their package, we get everything packaged up, we go out in front, we turn on their favorite upbeat dance song, and we do a dance for them that we then upload to Instagram every Friday so that all of our customers can see everybody else's dances. Um, but it's essentially us showing our appreciation to that customer for their order because we want everybody to know that not only do we appreciate them as a customer, but we also appreciate them for making a commitment to their journey in personal growth and just being a better person. Mm -hmm. well, and plus, the community is only as great as those who are in the community. So when someone's committing to that, it's, it's an opportunity also to share with the other community members through social media, like, hey, this is your new brother, this is your new sister, like, go, go connect with them. If you see something that you might have in common with them besides Moai, you know, start up a conversation, like, start, you know, these are the people that you're here for, that, that you're here to support and, and be going through life with. I love it. And I'm so glad you brought up the dancing because to me, how could you not laugh and smile when you see those videos? It is amazing. I was going to wait for this, but tell people what's on Instagram because people just got to follow you on Instagram because it's just amazing. What, how do they find you? Uh, so our, ta our handle on Instagram is uh, Moai Apparel. So that's M-O-A-I Apparel, A-P-P-A-R-E-L. Yeah, we got we to gotta get people checking you guys out because it's just so fun. So <laughs> what's give me some of the – I heard you say worldwide brand. I love that. Are, is there shorter-term goals for Moai right now, or what are you guys looking to do in the next, you know, let's say three to 12 months? One of the big things we really, really were ready to do this summer was actually to start going out to a vendor events because one of the things we feel that we can't really do that well on Instagram is to show people who we are and our personalities. So in order to create a bigger following on Instagram, it's usually, you know, commenting on their, their posts. And when we do comment on Instagram, we're not trying to sell people. We're always just trying to uplift people, encourage people, motivate people. That's the one thing that our core values that we stand behind with Moai is that we're not going to sell to you. We're here to uh, try to give you a community that you may not have. And what we wanted to do this summer was go out and start doing vendor events so that we can just be out and about at, you know, different CrossFit or, you know, we were looking at a lot of different avenues to just be able to meet more people and to show the brand off to more people. Um, and because of quarantine, it kind of just made it more difficult for us. So that's something that we're kind of sitting back and just trying to think like, okay, what can we do to try to still make the brand grow? without just, you know, sitting on Instagram for six to eight hours a day trying to gain followers mm -hmm. that way. But we've been, uh, so I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more later, but during quarantine is when we did a lot of our design work. So we used that time since we couldn't be doing vendor events. Said, let's get a head start. We don't need these yet, but let's get a head start, get them done, let's get them knocked out. We have the time, we have the resources, you know, we have a contacts that, you know, you can communicate. There's no, there's no limits on communication. So let's get that hammered out. So we do have some things that will be, you know, up and, up and coming throughout the rest of this year that we have prepared already um, and that we're excited about. But, yeah, we're, I mean, we're still adapting. Like, we, we just talked the other day about some other ideas of how to shift, you know, our, our concept of, like, how we 
how we are on social media and just different things to be able to test out and see how what helps uh, the brand grow, what helps us connect on a better level with other people and, and show our genuine selves. And uh, I think what Chad was trying to specifically say is that on social media, there's a lot of fakeness and there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of selling on social media. And so when someone sees a brand name like Moai Apparel commenting, um, even if it's a genuine comment, sometimes it can be kind of dismissed and not taken seriously because people are used to being sold to. So I think that's what he's trying to say when coming across as our true selves and people see us for who we really are, what our heart is, and that we're here to really try to impact people, um, trying to find a way to do that on a deeper level on a more consistent basis. I, I love it. And, and you hit on something I want to talk about, Marissa, because you said you guys, you both will try certain things. And we talked before we recorded about we've we've all had failures and we were joking around about some of the ones we've had. I, I have to ask you both because you both seem to me like you're willing to take calculated risks. You're willing to try things. You're willing to fail. You're willing to screw up and then change and figure it out. Where does that come from? And, and is that true? And how do you continue to push even though you have some, some difficulties? I think calculated risk are a lot more difficult for us than most businesses. And I'm going to give you a good example. About a month ago, we decided, all right, we can't just continue trying to do this organic growth that all these motivational speakers talk about where you go on people's Instagram pages and just send them love and talk and talk because it wasn't giving us really anything in return. So we decided, okay, we got to try to start learning Facebook ads. And I'm like, wait, that means us giving up our money in hopes that come, someone comes to spend money at our place. And I'm like, I don't like that idea. And it's just, okay, I'll spend $5 if I'm going to get $6, but I'm not going to spend $5 to get $0. And that, like, that's just really, really difficult with me, especially when it comes to marketing and having an ROI. Like, what is, I'll give you this money, but what are you going to give me back? You know what I mean? So that's been something that I've been struggling with. And, you know, I think just recently I started realizing, listen, I remember when I was a kid flipping through ESPN and then a Nike commercial would come on and it was like, you know, I want to be like Mike. Well, <laughs> guess what? I'm remembering those things. And maybe it wasn't the first time, maybe it wasn't the second time, but the more and more and more and more and more I saw those things. It's like, wow, this is really, really cool. So Going back to those things, I started realizing if we're going to advertise on social media, we needed to be more about trying to bring either one, entertainment to customers or two, value to them. And not so much just having a picture of an adapt shirt there and trying to sell somebody. So that's where we're kind of at right now is like, okay, we want to start doing marketing, but we want to start doing it in a very strategic way where one, we're being entertaining or adding value to customers. And if we're not doing one of those two things, then I don't know if we really want to do it. So going back to your question, um, I would say that actually that's very unnatural for me. Uh, coming from how I was raised, uh, I actually did, I, I, I still don't like trying new things. Trying new things freaks me out, scares me, because I grew up very secure. Like I had a very strong uh, father figure, very strong mother figure. You know, I had those steady brothers there always. And so that kind of concept has always been like what I feel comfortable with. And when you take that concept and you put it into business or you put it into 
just putting yourself out there in any new way, it's like, whoa, this feels super uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. Count me out. And I really, I really have to chalk up most, almost all of my growth in this specific area to being married to Chad because he is an extrovert and I'm an introvert. And in order for that to work, you got to compromise. And I got to sometimes work on being a little bit more extroverted and be able to go out as a couple and, you know, meet people and things like that. So a great example of this is that while we're building Hawaii, we start, you know, we quit our jobs back in 2018 and we've been trying to do this, just living off of our savings. But when small opportunities come up for, um, what do you call it? Just temporary work, I guess. Yeah. yeah, Temporary work. Uh, We've had a couple of opportunities. It's like, Hey, this is not time committed or, you know, it's, it's based off of our schedule so we can work around it. We'll take on those positions. And one of those was dealing blackjack for private events and private parties. And to give you a little bit of background, I've, I've never really thought of myself as intelligent. I grew up having a lot of really bad self beliefs, a lot of really limiting beliefs about myself, even though I had a very supportive family I just grew up very, um, like, this is who I am, and that's never going to change. You know, I'm not very intelligent, and I'm not very, I'm not very outgoing, just a lot of very limited beliefs. And um, <laughs> when we started Hawaii, we read Tony Robbins' Awaken the Giant Within. That was our first book. And then between that and between Chad really pushing me, I've been trying to shatter those limiting beliefs. And to get back to the example is that dealing blackjack was, like, a big no-no because that targets – you're by yourself at a table with a bunch of strangers and you're doing math very quickly and you have to be personable, like all three of my no-nos. <laughs> so <laughs> it was bad news. And Chad like, you know, you can do this. You can do this. You got to practice. You're going to have to practice. So I sat right here on this couch and we have a little coffee table right here. And I practiced dealing blackjack to nobody for, I don't know how many hours until I was like, okay, I'm, I don't think I'm ready, but I'm, I'm ready. And we went and did it. And it's just those types of things where I've really learned that trying new things is the only way that you shatter those beliefs. You have to, you have to put yourself out there. You have to take the risk. And, and so I think going through those experiences little by little, each at a time, I'm learning to become more flexible and more willing to take risks because I know, you know what, it's going to be a learning experience either way. Even if the blackjack would have been terrible that night, which it wasn't, (laughs) if it would have been terrible, I still would have been a learning experience. I still learned, hey, I, I could work at my math and I got better at it. Like, I got faster. So it doesn't really matter what you do. You're going to learn something either way. Uh, that's such a good example. That, and it's so, like, if you would have just told me, hey, Matt, I became a blackjack dealer, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But to get some insight on what's going on inside of your head and pushing through these limiting beliefs, that is some powerful stuff. And I have to also acknowledge you both because – you are, I mean, you're the same people off camera as you are on and you're both so real. And I think that's just so refreshing that you're able to, I often talk about taking inventory of yourself, like knowing what you're good at, what you're not good at. And I have to ask you that as, as the next topic is you're both clearly married. You're running this business together. Are you, <laughs> my answer to this is yes, because it seems like it to me, but can you both do you know um, whose strengths are this? What weaknesses are this? And can you balance each other out? Or can that be uh, difficult sometimes? Both. <laughs> Definitely <Yeah>. both. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know if you want to go first or I can go first. No, yeah. There's a number of strengths that we have identified where I'm strong in this and Marissa is strong in this. But then there's a number of things when it comes to the business realm where it's like, well, I like this logo. Well, I like this logo. Well, I like it better how it looks this way. Well, I don't like it like that. And so <laughs> that that's something that we are still working through. Yep. Um, oh, man. The first three, three, four months through the business, though, there was a Very lot tough. of the Very just, tough. oh, man, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. It's like, where's So we finally – we're able to come to a solution. And sometimes this only happens through whether you want to call arguments or whatever, where it's like, okay, like we can't keep doing business like this. We can't keep acting like this. So, yeah. okay, how, how can we, how can we make this presentable? And what was, I think, what, what did we say? We said, okay, when we go to making, making decisions, we have to decide what things are based off of our core values and what things are just things that we want. So when it comes to selling something at such and such in price, we have to first make sure that we're going to make a profit off of it. And we also have to think that it's going to be something someone likes. Now, the amount of profit is something that you can't really determine. So arguing over how much profit or what we're going to sell it for really isn't at our best interest. It's just more of, you know, coming up with, a, a, a sound number based off of the standard or whatever. Yeah. You can explain I that think uh, the formula that we wrote down was what is it personal preference yes. or is it, okay. it, or is it good business sense? Mm. And so even like the example that you use, you know, if you're taking good business sense, there's going to be a, a relative answer that is going to be either way outside of that business sense and based off preference, or it's going to fit within that. So if we ever come to an impasse, which we're at often, like, <laughs> Any time decision, there's usually some type of impasse with us. So we have relied on that formula, which we we came up, came up with that like only probably three months ago. Yeah. Because it was like this is not working. Like we both have different opinions. So how do we move forward? And so we presented that that formula, and it was like okay, this this one makes more business sense in this setting. And you, so we're going with this one. It doesn't matter about preference at this point. Um. So that's been something that's helped us a lot. But I will say that, yeah, that's probably been the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur for me is taking the person that you love the most and then having to make the most decisions. Whenever you're in a position to make important decisions, there can be a lot of stress and there can be a lot of urgency to like, I don't want to make the wrong decisions. I got to, I got to make sure I say everything because if I don't say something and I miss saying something then that could fall back on me and that's going to hurt both of us mm -hmm. and so we're both always coming from a good heart and that is to make why exactly what we want it to be and sometimes we just have different ways of getting there and that's actually been something I've learned a lot is that there's always more than one way to do something and I think I used to have more of a mindset of like there's a best way and then there's a not best way. Instead of realizing that there are oftentimes two, three, four, five best ways, there's nothing wrong with any of them. It just takes you being willing to see them, to be willing to say, okay, not my way this time, your way, but they're both good ways. And I think that's been the biggest obstacle that we're still working on, we're still trying to overcome, is putting our marriage up here yeah. and then the business below it. Mm -hmm. And when things are said inside of the business, 
These are things because we care so much about the business. We're trying to make the business profitable. We want other people to like it. We want it to be marketed well. We don't want to come off as offensive as anything that we say. So we're very, very selective with what we do and we don't do. But sometimes the things that you can say in business to your loved one, your significant other, when you guys are in business together and see each other every day for almost 24 hours straight, <laughs> yeah. off into relationships. And so Marissa and I both have really had to try to focus on not taking the things that we say in business personally, personally yep. into our relationship. Like, okay, I disagree with you here, Chad, because I don't like being told that you don't like something. I, I just, that's just not, I don't like it being told that you're wrong or I, I don't like that at all. And so I can take that very personal and be like, well, okay, like here, when we, now, now it's, now it's me and you get away. Like, whoa, 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 remember how you acted to me today? But it's like, whoa, that was in business. That was in regards to doing these things for our business and not so much in our relationship and that I don't love you. So that's the struggle that we've had and we're still working on. We're still trying to come out with a good, efficient, organized way of how to deal with those emotions uh, so, so they yeah. don't blow up. Which I'm glad you touched on that because this is actually something that I, I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of couples that are you know on social media and they're always sharing a lot of really helpful tools and a lot of really positive things. But I think and we, we, we started seeing a lot of people commenting or a few people commenting or saying like, you guys are a model couple. You guys, I really, you guys have this amazing love for each other. And we do, we absolutely do 100%. But we were concerned and we feel that like, hold up. Like, don't even dare think that we are perfect. Don't even dare think that this has been easy. Don't dare think that we don't get on each other's case yeah. and that we don't act out of line and that we don't yell and that we don't say things that we shouldn't say. Like we've really wanted, we've made several videos to put on social media. Like, like, hold on, don't, don't get wrapped up in this romanticizing of any kind of perfect relationship because the only perfect relationship is the one that you continually work at. So unless that's it, like that's been very important to us to make sure that we don't falsify how easy it is or how uh, beautiful just, Oh, get in business with your spouse because it's not easy. <laughs> I love that. That, that, that's just, oh, you guys have so many good nuggets in what you both just said. I think that's so cool. I, I'm writing stuff down. Like, I think the prioritizing comment makes so much sense. Like, your marriage, your relationship, that has to be number one, right? When the smoke clears, it's just the two of you, and, and you got to have each other. And then I think another one of the takeaways, correct me if I'm wrong, is it seems like when you both put systems in place in the, in the business part of it, that can take some of the emotion out of it. And then you can just resort back to, Oh, this is the system. This is the strategy. It's not me versus you. It's here's the bit. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. The more automated we can make our business, the less amount of pref preferences come into it, which are a less amount of my emotions and her emotions going into it and butting heads. Like I like them to be in this bag. Oh, that bag costs 25 cents more. I was like, okay, well, if, if it can get us more sales, then we'll use this bag. But if I can't, we're going to my bag. <laughs> give and take, the give and take. I love it. Okay. So you're going to tell by this question that I lack knowledge of the entrepreneurial clothing business, but give us a little bit of like a, a day in the life. And I envision the, you having like a separate bedroom with piles and piles of shirts and everything. And it's going to be multiple questions in one because 
tell, tell us also about what products you have and what is coming out. And I know the Freedom brand is coming out because I saw one of the shirts on social and I loved it. And, and then maybe give us a little bit of, are there boxes stacked up in your apartment or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are looking at a pile of boxes right now. Um, we live in a about 400 square foot apartment because that is what fits within our budget to be able to make entrepreneurship a, a shot that we can take uh, without going into debt. So we have, yeah, we've got boxes of inventory, some of each of our products. Um, and as Chad was explaining before we got on, we, we custom make or we, we make to order essentially. So we've got all the different designs. We have those in one area of our house over here to my left. And you know, we've got our desk where we print off all our certificates. And so when an order comes in, you know, we, we look at what it is, we go, we dig through our pile of boxes to find the right box that has, you know, the color they want, the size they want, and we, we compile it together. We have some machinery here um, to be able to put the designs onto the shirts in a high quality manner. And then we have, we have custom tags that we make to help explain what each shirt means and why we created it. So we, we put that onto the shirt so that it's very specialized. The whole idea is that everything we do, the more you look into it, the more meaning you'll find. So if someone's walking down the street and they see this Courage shirt that I'm wearing, they may see a lion at first. If they look deeper, they're going to see that it has Courage written in its mane. If they order the shirt and they go deeper, they're going to realize what all it means and why we created the Courage line, and the fact that there, it takes courage to do so many things in life, and that it's not just this big term that oftentimes gets used only for military or for heroic types of acts. We sometimes can categorize it as this only special term, which I definitely respect and, and admire. Like, those are definitely courageous acts, but I think that courage is something that's very applicable in our day-to-day -day life. So... Uh, we, we try to create tags that help explain those things and make it very impactful for people. And then also, other than just the t-shirts, we have sunglasses and watches, which thankfully we don't produce ourselves. I'm not a woodworker. Uh, our sunglasses are made out of wood and our watches are made out of wood. But again, both of those things, we try to give meaning through all of our pieces of apparel. Um, the, the sunglasses are called a visionary line, so in hopes of helping people uh, be in tune with their visions every time they go to put on the sunglasses. And then the watch line is the pause line. Every time you go down to look to see what time it is, then maybe you would think of pausing and being present. So many times we're out in, you know, around family. It's like, oh, I gotta go do this. But it's like, wait, pause. Like, you're with your family. Like, be present. So that's what, so those are all the things that we're kind of looking at. We have the sunglasses over there. We got the tubes they go in and that's, and it's just right here in our apartment. We've tried to make the process as simplified as possible. But again, it's number one is trying to be frugal and we don't want to get into any amount of debt for this business and have to make it a pipe dream where it's like, let's just keep pumping more money into this to see if people will buy. We don't know. So we're trying to do it to where, Hey, like, if, if it doesn't work out, then that's fine, but we're not putting $100,000 or a bunch of money that we don't have into a business. Mm -hmm. And with each of those two things, I just wanted to add, with the sunglasses and with the watches, it's not just the name that we've given them. Um, if you've ever seen the the watch, it has the word pause actually transcribed onto the front of it. So that it, uh, yeah. the idea is that visual cues are powerful and that that's how, that's how we use them. 
So with the, with the sunglasses also, they're not just called visionary. They don't just come with a visionary tag, but they have the word visionary actually engraved into the wood on the side of the sunglass. So that each time that you're putting it on, it's on the inside because it's not for people to see on the outside. It's for the wearer to see it and be triggered and say, you know what? Wow. I, I didn't really feel like focusing on my goals today because this is emotionally tough today, but maybe this little reminder keeps them from doing something that takes them backwards. Or maybe it's just that emotional pickup. Like, you know what? Today's hard, but tomorrow is a new day. I just got to get through today and tomorrow, you know, take it there. And so those are the types of things we've, we've created visual triggers to help be a support and help be an encouragement and an empowerment tool for people, not just an idea, not just a cool design, but an actual physical life tool that they can use. We want it to be offering more value than just what the product is itself. It's great to have sunglasses. Everybody needs sunglasses, but a lot of people need life tools too. Right. So I love it. I, I love that idea of, the visionary being inside so it's for the wearer versus having it out there. That's such a cool idea. I've never heard anything like that. And I love the idea of you both, that there's some entrepreneurs, some bigger names, if you've heard of them, say you need to eat crap for years in the beginning of an entrepreneurship, meaning you're not going to go out and buy a huge house. You're not going to become an entrepreneur and go buy a Mercedes. I mean, you guys are willing to live how you must live to make the business successful. And to me, that's inspiring. I mean, I think how you're living and you're, you're being careful, but you're taking calculated risks. I love it. It's inspiring. It's awesome. And along those lines, I have to ask, so your days are basically whatever you make them, right? You, you don't have a boss. It's the two of you working together. How do you decide today? Well, no, that's not you. Let's say on a Monday, what am I going to do today? Because I'm sure you could do 38,000 different things. How do you two make the decision of day to day, what am I going to attack today? Well, we know for one thing that in order to sell our apparel, we both have to look good. So going to the gym is something that we have devoted a lot of time to. So even on the weekends, uh, I mean, we essentially we wake up every morning, the alarm is set for 6 a.m., takes us about 10 to 15 minutes to get ready, hop over to the gym, and then we go to the gym usually for about we're there usually oh, about yeah. two hours. It depends how many people I talk to and, you know, <laughs> back and forth. And then we're back home. And that's when, you know, Marissa at the gym is, you know, we're taking videos to try to encourage people about the gym. And you're usually writing uh, one of the posts or something like that. We get back home. We have breakfast. And then it's kind of, we'll usually kind of separate set off our separate ways. If we have orders, you know, we know that those have to get made and if there usually has to be an order dance. Um, yeah. So we just incorporated something relic well, relatively new. We got a whiteboard uh, up on our wall over here on our precious small wall space. <laughs> we found room for one. Um, and that's because we were starting to kind of struggle. Like we would kind of go our separate ways and it, I knew what I was going to do and Chad had an idea what he was going to do, but then it was, like we didn't have the time to, to connect and talk about the important things that needed to get done. We were just kind of dealing with the things that we could do individually. And I, I would say that probably part of that was because we were, you know, kind of butting head to head a lot with some of those things. I was like, you know what? And when we say go separate ways, he means him like 10 feet over there and me 10 feet over here, yeah, but in our own little world. <laughs> and, um, so actually at Chad's request, we've been doing, trying to do morning meetings. So just take a 10 minute meeting 
in the morning where we write down what is it that we need to accomplish today? What is it we want to accomplish today? Let's put all those on the board and then you pick what you want to do and I'll pick what I want to do and then we'll, we'll figure out the rest between the two of us. So that's been helping a lot more with being more organized throughout the day and having uh, more focused like attack plans of, of doing instead of just, okay, this is what I think I should be doing. Like let's actually talk about it, figure out what's going to be the most productive thing to do. And then let's go do that. And we've set ourselves up with a lot of things to be able to do to where, okay, these tasks that we know we need to get done, get done. And then we have many, many, you know, different options. So like we do a rush hour refresh where sometimes we'll go out when there's, it's not quarantine and there's people, <laughs> you know, driving actually and try to hold up encouraging signs. Yep. Um, we did that for the schools also. So we, we do these hashtag things. They compliment your classmate where we go to schools and we hold up positive signs for kids when they're coming out of the, the school at the end of the day. And then with traffic, yep, we do that also. And then we, we've them. also been painting rocks and we've been going to be writing like, you know, positive words on those. So those are sitting there. We're kind of waiting to put those out right now. Um, but we always have something to kind of fall back onto if everything else is up. This week, we actually spent a majority of the week revamping the website. Yeah. We thought that some of the pictures didn't look very good. Some of the wording didn't, didn't look that great. We wanted to change our, the picture at the top into a video, make it a little bit more user-friendly and appealing to people. So we spent a lot of time this week uh, just doing that. So it's really there's just so many things to do. We, yeah. It's not really a plan of what, unless there's an order, orders always come first. <laughs> but we do a lot of, uh, within a day, we do multiple hours of connecting on, on social media platforms. So where we just commit, that, listen, this is our time to, this is how we can connect with people right now. Um, one of the, one of the big goals um, of you, would kind of, I guess I kind of skipped over it, but is that we want to do events. Um, we, we've tried to do events, previously and just in our local area with like hey let's actually come in person and let's meet let's start like an in-person group and so far we haven't succeeded with that and then when quarantine came you know that whole thing obviously is no more as of now but that's something we are excited to get back to putting more effort into to get that going because we do we want more avenues of connecting with people and but right now hey it's just do what you can and that's one of the things we can do i love i have to just highlight how awesome i think it is that Clearly, you guys are in business, and I mean, you need to make money for yourselves and to live. But I think more importantly, you both do the right thing, even if it may not lead to a sale the next day, like holding up signs. I mean, to me, that shows me that you're going to be so successful in the long term that it's going to be insane, because you're just doing the right thing. And I think that's it just puts a smile on my face and I do know what you mean. I'm so glad you brought that up, Marissa, about holding the signs because I've seen that on social media. Of course, it's probably back in February before quarantine, but it's just so awesome to see that. And I see, I love how real you both are. You said you had some struggles to me, any, any couple, my wife and I, I mean, we go through the same thing, but you seem for the most part to just be happy people. And I guess my question around happiness is, what is happiness to you two? And if, if you want to weave in and out of there, do you have bad days or, or bad hours? And what do you do in that situation? Do you have something you can just reset yourself to get you back on the right path? Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, um, movement and music. Two mm -hmm. answers that will always be true for me. Um, let just, let's see, was it Wednesday? 
or I guess that was yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. Wednesday, I had a really tough day. Like I just didn't, I didn't feel like doing, I didn't feel like going to the gym. I didn't want to go. I had a bad attitude. I was grumpy. <laughs> I just wanted to take a nap and I was just feeling overwhelmed. I, I didn't feel like I had my usual, um, perspective on life that day. Like I just really struggled. It was, it was a, it was a mental attitude that I had. And so what I did is I put my headphones on and I have a playlist that's just my upbeat music. And I, I, I went and sat outside, got in the sunshine and just sat there for a few minutes or I think it was about 30 minutes. And it just gives me, those are tools for me. I don't really know how it works. I, I don't know how <laughs> it works, but for me, it's, that's something that will always snap me back. Um, music has always been a huge part of my life. I've always really enjoyed being around music and listening to music. And it's something that just really has an impact on me. And, and so you, finding a way to use that in a positive way, because I think, you know, you can use anything to impact you both positively or negatively. And yeah, even like with the gym, like we went because he's my accountability partner and he's not gonna let me slack, even though I was like, I ain't going. Um, that really helps too. Just when you, when I get my body moving and it's that sense of accomplishment, I think is what probably the biggest thing is. Obviously there's, you know, endorphins released when you're exercising or when you're doing any kind of movement. But part of the reason why we start the morning every day with going to the gym first thing for breakfast, for anything, we literally hop out of bed, we go to the gym. And by the time we come back to start our day, um, like that, the gym isn't even considered the start of our day. The start of our day is like after the gym's done. It's already, I think it's the idea, I think some somebody used to talk about how making your bed in the morning mm. is that all sense of accomplishment. Like, that's what the gym is. I think it's for me. I think it's for you also, mm. um, where it's just like, wow, that's it's done. It's knocked out. I feel great. I can do anything today. And so those, we, we oftentimes go to the gym in the afternoon for a, a short period of time because we are, we work from home and during quarantine, there's no opportunity to really do much movement. So to some people, it's like, oh, you're going to the gym twice a day, what? But it's, it's not really that crazy because we're just sitting here all day long. So for, the, for me, those are two ways that I get through um, just not, not being in a really great headspace. Also, talking to people uh, really helps me. That's, that's one thing I really enjoy about Instagram. That's usually where I have like all my you know, direct message conversations with some of our Maui people. And like two of those people have become some of my best, like my best friends and I go to for, for their advice. They come to, you know, we talk about things back and forth. It's not a one way street. It's a two way street. They're my support. I'm their support. And when you have people that are in your corner, um, that's, a, that's a huge part of getting through tough days too for me. So my happiness comes from being around people. That's where I get happy. And so the quarantine has been very difficult for me. As a matter of fact, we went home back in March because we knew we were going to be restricted to this 400 square foot room. All the gyms were shut down, which is, you know, the only place that we really get to go right now. And uh, so my family is really close together. And, you know, just being around people is really brings me a lot of happiness. Also with us starting off a business. And when Rissa talks about being frugal, I think a lot of people don't understand how frugal we are and how extensive it is, is that in the last, oh, probably six months, our expenditures for the week haven't really been anything other than the food and necessities that we need other than rent or fixing the car. So yeah. it's not like we go out and buying stuff 
for ourselves. That just doesn't happen. We do have a gym membership, so we both consider that yeah, an extra treat. <laughs> treat or expenditure. And then, you know, food, like on the weekends, sometimes we do go out and we get uh, foods that aren't in our diets to kind of fill that. But we're frugal on that level. And so being committed to being an entrepreneur can be difficult because that's all, that can bring a lot of stress where some weekends we're sitting around like, oh, what are we going to do? It's quarantine. We don't want to spend money. We don't want to spend money. We don't want to spend money. So, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do we do? There aren't any options. And for me, when you can't go and be around people at the beach or, you know, any of those things, just makes it extremely difficult, especially with trying to start off a new business. So sometimes I get disappointed myself in, Sometimes it just takes calling a friend or talking to someone to get out of that funk because I get to a point where it's like, man, maybe I should just try to go get another job so that I can be around people more often. And then, you know, Marissa do this full time and me just try to help out uh, more like that. So these are all things that we're, we've considered yep. and always being trying to adapt and, you know, to, to, to the timing of what's happening. Right, because, I mean, the whole idea of why we – or like the core behind starting the why is that we want to have fulfillment in our lives. So if there's a period of time where we're not getting, if Chad's not being able to get the fulfillment through physical face-to-face -face interaction with people, then it doesn't go against our core value for him to go out and get a job. And, you know, as long as we keep going with Mawai, it doesn't like, I think those are some of the things that we've opened our box pretty wide and that we're willing to adapt to things because we know what our core values are. And that is, we want to live a fulfilled life where we can impact people. And as long as something fits within those two core values, then it's going to work. It's just a matter of figuring out how it's going to work. So yeah. we have so many options of how to, how to continue searching out what it is that does bring us fulfillment each and every day and in a variety of different ways and still do what's important to us and what is going to impact others. Well said. Those, well, there's, there's so much in there too, but the, the, the core values, I think that's a similar thing that we were talking about with taking the emotion out of it. Whenever you're trying to make a business decision or a life decision, you can just go back and say, okay, what are the core values you two have? And boom, then you just make the decision. I think that's, it makes it easy. It makes it not emotional. And that's beautiful. You guys have some great ideas. This is going to be helpful to a lot of people. Okay. Well, yeah, I hope so too. So here's what we're going to do. I have the thing I do at the end of every uh, episode. It's called the power five. So it's five questions and I want to challenge you. And this is tough for me because like you, Chad, I like to talk a lot. So we'll see if you can do this. See if you can keep your answers in like a sentence or two max. And it's going to be hard because these are deep questions, but let's give it a shot. And I get to ask you each the same question. So if you'd be open to it, you both can answer. Okay. All right. This is one of my favorite ones right here. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as a kind, compassionate, and loving individual. I, uh, I, I would like to be remembered as someone that's doing the things that she said she would do. That was really good. I didn't expect you to just like, boom. It's like you knew that was coming. I like that. <laughs> I am compassionate, loving. I like that. I love that. What are you both most thankful for? Um, I would say, oh, man, most, most keyword <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you can say a couple. You want to say more than one. That's fine by me. No, I, I guess um, what comes to mind is just that I'm grateful and I'm thankful that nothing is permanent. 
that there's always ways to get through anything, any situation, any time. It's just a matter of patience to get through it. That nothing, nothing is stuck. There's always a way to get through something. I'm most thankful for the opportunity to have a healthy body and to be able to choose my emotions and how I think. I can choose to put a smile on my face every single day, no matter what's going on. I love it. Powerful, powerful. This is so good. Okay. I never tell anyone that I'm going to ask this question and it's going to be so easy for you both though. It's normally challenging, but what is your best dance move? <laughs> Mine's probably going to be this water sprinkler. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, I don't really have any dance moves, but my best dance move is holding a Y package. So that's what I do in every single one. So that's probably it because I'm not, I just try. I try. By the way, for those who are just listening to this, they both actually just acted out the dance move they were talking about. So that made it even more fun. I appreciate that. All right. What's the biggest setback that you've overcome? Mine was the dream of playing professional baseball being taken away at the snap of a hat. And that's why adapting is so powerful to me and why we really created this, this line is that no matter how hard you're going towards something, no matter what you think is going to happen, it can change at the matter of that. And you have to be able to be willing to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a really bad, really bad back injury uh, when I was in the medical industry that ended my kind of career in that one specific field. And I've suffered a lot of pain and issues uh, throughout my life, continued from that injury. And I've always kind of had a poor me attitude about it. And going through that experience, I'm grateful that I did because it's taught me through fitness specifically that I can change anything I want to change if I'm willing to commit to the, the ways of changing. Uh, so like stretching very quickly, for example, really helps my back. It's very painful for me. I don't like it, but it's something that's taught me that it has nothing to do with what's happened to me. It's, it's, I can make the most out of anything. I love it. It's, it's just awesome to hear you both say something that could have held you down for years and you both use those as a learning experience instead of the victim mentality. And I think that's really, that's powerful stuff right there. Okay. Last one. Who is your hero? And you don't have to say each other just because you're both sitting right there. <laughs> so this no. is me, and I'm probably going to say something that most people wouldn't think of. I don't value a hero as someone who has saved me or as who helped me in my life. I value a hero as someone who does something that I'm not willing to do. And for me, it's people who are in the military. Um, they're going every day, putting their lives out there. And that's not something that I think I could wake up every morning and being willing to do. Um, I, th those guys are absolutely amazing, and uh, they're my heroes. Well said. Um, man, I don't really – I don't format in my mind, like, any one specific person or even specific names. But for me, it's, it's more of just having – really good people around me. Um, I don't, I don't, it's more of like a collective effort, I guess you could say for me is, is what makes me really thankful for people and thankful for um, who people are. And, and it comes from little bits and pieces from this person and this person and this person to make up people that I'm extremely proud to know and, and proud to be going through life with. 
I love those answers. I, I've asked that question to a lot of people and those are the most unique and awesome answers. I love that. And I'm with you, Chad. I mean, the military, I will always tip my cap if I had one on to anybody that's serving the country because that's, I agree with you. That's just next level to me. Well, I appreciate it. That was, oh, you know what? Let's tell everybody, you told them about Instagram. Where else can people find you? Where can people place an order the easiest way? Go for it. Okay, well, if uh, people want to check out our website, it's just, it's simple. It's moaiapparel.com. So again, M-O-A-I and then apparel.com. Super simple, super clean. Um, but we're pretty much on any platform that they can find. <laughs> so if you want to, people want to check us out on TikTok, we're under Moai Apparel, Instagram, Moai Apparel, Facebook, just Moai, um, you know, Pinterest, LinkedIn, anything. We'll be happy to connect with anybody that we can, just searching under Moai Apparel and they'll find us. Twitter. Yep, Twitter too. <laughs> well, and, and by the way, she didn't mention it, but Marissa is officially TikTok famous for those of you that don't know. <laughs> tell, tell everybody legitimately how many views you have on this one video. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, right now it's at 1.4 million. It was just, it wasn't a video that we even thought was going to go viral. You know, some of those videos you think like, oh, this is the one. That was not what we were thinking at all, but <laughs> we're grateful. <laughs> I love that. 1.4 million people watched that video. That is insane to me. All right. Well, in closing, do you both have, do you have anything else that you want to mention about Moai or yourselves or anything? No, Matt, uh, you asked a lot of really good questions. You're an awesome interviewer. You engage with us really well. And we're just super appreciative of the opportunity to be able to share on your platform, platform, but also just to be able to interact with you and get to learn about you. And it's, it's absolutely awesome when you meet other people who are as motivated as for personal growth as you are. And that's just that's something we're just super grateful for. Well, and I know real quick before we got on, I shared this, but I want to share it actually in the podcast. And that is that it's one thing when you have, you know, those people that are Instagram, you know, really high up and they seem they're, they're just people that are kind of, they feel out of your reach. Um, but then there's other people who are inspiring and incredibly motivating and they are within reach like you, Matt, like mm -hmm. I've, I've seen, I can't tell you how many times I've seen your videos, your 5am dance party, your, your live workout videos, you know, even with your wife, you know, during quarantine, early in the morning, you know, sharing about your marathons, everything. It's all super inspiring to me. Like, you don't know how many times it's, it's like, okay, if Matt's hustling, I got to hustle. Go. And be on your podcast. Uh, that's really impactful. We really appreciate the opportunity. Well, you guys are both welcome. You've both been a joy and I can't wait to continue our relationship for many, many years to come. And I'm, uh, I wish you the best of luck, and I can't wait to see where Moai is next year, three years, five years, ten years down the road. I'm excited for you both. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. <laughs> Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker. At Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks, and I love you so much. Oh, 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 oh,